What does that mean, church? It is absolutely our fun day as we come together and sing praises to an awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Man, it's, it's good to be here with you. Good Church, give it up for our guests today. Come on, get up for our guests. If you are new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. Uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're all about Jesus in this place. We're a Jesus church, and you matter to us because you matter to Jesus. That makes sense, right? Jesus loves you, so we love you, and we're excited that you came in to join us this morning, and we hope that when you came in, you're made to feel welcome and wanted here. We also hope you made you feel warm when you walked in, the heat was on, and that you enjoy your time with us today, and you walk out those doors, how much God loves you through his son, Jesus Christ. We're stoked that you're with us. And good morning to all of you joining us online, either watching right now or listening to you later. We, I'm so thankful we have the team and the technology to make it possible to reach people. The gospel doesn't stay in this room. It goes out to wherever that God decides it to go and reach people who he, who he decides it to reach. Church, we're in this series titled Fast Forward. Today we continue in this series Fast Forward. And we've been walking through this series asking one simple question, what's next? What is next? And what we've been doing is we've been walking through this timeline that I've been throwing up every week to look at it and say, okay, this is, this is what's all things God, right? These are all things God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the end, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And you and I are in the middle, right? If I'm in the middle, this is the beginning, perfect creation. Here's the end, perfect peace. And we'll come back to that, but there's been, in between that, there's been a, a lot of events, a lot of lives lived, and right up to the point where we are this morning, we're in the church age, and there's so many things to come. Hence the question we've been asking, what is next? We are here, I talked about that display that we see in the malls or shopping plazas, like you need to identify where you are before you can get where you want to go. We are here. We are the church age. The Messiah came. He lived the perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice and died for the sin of all humanity. He conquered the grave and rose from the grave. Hope was born. He went into heaven, sat on the right hand of the Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to reside in his people, and the church was born. And we have been at this phase for almost 2,000 years. Now, last week we walked through this. We went to the next two events. We talked about the rapture and the tribulation. I said the rapture is the continuation of God's grace plan. And the tribulation is a continuation of his fairness plan. You know, rapture, we're going to be called in the air to be with God in, up in the sky, and he's going to take us to be in heaven. Then the tribulation is going to be seven years of the worst time in human history. Billions will die. And Jesus spoke about this. I shared this verse last week as well in Matthew 24. Look what he says about this time of the tribulation. He says, For there will be a great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days did not be cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened to stop there. This is what was taking place. This is tribulation. If it didn't stop taking place, all humanity would be wiped out. And this is where we slow down. You and I step in to have our conversation this morning. What happens after these seven years of horrifying time? What is next? And this is where we look at Jesus is coming back. It's talking about the return of our king, and he starts setting the stage for all eternity. 
So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, do me a favor. Open them up to uh, Revelation chapter 19. We'll be starting at looking at verse 1 this morning. Revelation 19, looking at verse 1. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 847. Revelation 19, verse 1, or 847, the orange Bibles. Friends, the book of Revelation was written by a follower of Jesus named John. John wrote the gospel of John. He wrote the first, second, and third book of John. He is the author of God. He chose to use him to write this book of Revelation almost 2,000 years ago to reveal what is coming next. What's to come? What does it look like? How is everything going to unfold? And what God did is says, I want to show you, and I'm going to tell you through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to write it all down, and it's going to be shared for generations. And so that's where we're stepping in this morning. We're seeing what John saw, what God revealed to him, what is coming next. So chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, verse 1, it says, After I heard, was sounded like a roar of a great multitude in the heaven, shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judges. Let me just stop right there. I can't love these verses any more. Hallelujah, the multitudes of heaven are singing praises of God and proclaiming salvation and glory or power through him. And I want to just tell you here, when you hear that word roar, right, Bruce talked about in our host time, the roar is like the de- uh, devil's rolling around roar and creating fear. That roar is not what, that same word. And what he's talking about is that roar was the multitude and what we're seeing is a chorus. So heaven is proclaiming loudly a chorus, a hallelujah, salvation and glory belong to the Lord our God. We were just singing praise in chorus, and we're just singing those words together, hallelujah. Come on, church, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Whew. You thought the worship again was here was fantastic. Could you imagine hearing the roar of heaven and all those singing praises to God? We praise him because he is God. We praise him because he is the creator. We praise him because he is our creator. Nothing compares to him. He stands above all things. He created all things. He holds all things together. He knows all things. He sees all things. Nothing, absolutely nothing is out of his reach, out of his power, out of his purpose, out of his plan. Amen? It's because we proclaim that truth. It's because what we know who God is, we can understand that his judgments to come are just and true. See, I believe that John started this passage out this way for very good reason. He knew what was coming next, and he wanted to make sure that those who read it had a right view of who God is. It's imperative for you and I to have an understanding, a right understanding of who God is this morning. It's imperative for those who don't know Jesus to have a right understanding of who God is. Because of what's to come next, 
what you and I are going to read next is highly offensive to some and easily rejected by many. And John says, listen, listen, before we get into this, hallelujah, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Know who he is clearly. Then we jump down to verse 6. And look what he says again. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of a rushing waters, and like a loud peals of thunder and shouting again, Hallelujah! For our Lord, our God, my Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready, fine linen and bright, bright and clean. It was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And then he added, these are the true words of God. Let's stop there again. Though this is a huge celebration that's taking place. Jesus comes back and everything's going to be and There's going to be a huge party. Jesus the groom, his church the bride are brought together for the wedding supper of the Lamb. The great wedding of Jesus and his bride coming together. His bride made clean and righteous through his sacrifice and our faith in him. Let me just tell you, friends, if you're in this room, you believe in Jesus, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you will be sitting at this table. You will be a part of this celebration. You will be part of the feast. You'll be sitting there with King Jesus. What a glorious image of a beautiful moment to come for the church to envision together. At this, verse 10, just as I fell at his feet to worship him, but he, the angel, said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. You think about this. These are some pretty amazing verses. John absolutely overwhelmed by the vision vision of the the wedding celebration he falls to his knees and to start worshiping and the angel says no 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 stop it stop it don't worship me i'm with you i'm with you and your brothers and sisters in christ and the, what they share and what they know to believe true is the testimony about jesus don't worship me Worship God who made this whole thing possible. The revelation that you see, the prophecy is to come, is so to be the testimony of who true Jesus is. We can't miss that, friends. The revelation of prophecy, prophecy of what is to come, is a testimony to Jesus. And that's very, very simple. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. That is because the purpose of prophecy is not to cause fear, but to create faith. The purpose of prophecy is not to cause fear, but to create faith. 
The whole reason that God is revealing everything to come is to open the eyes of humanity to the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the only way to be with him at the end of all things eternity. Think about this. If we were to stop right here and and go all the way back to the Old Testament and start looking at God's people, the Israelites, God's chosen nation, they're to be a light and a beacon to point all the nations around them to the one true God. But as you read through the Old Testament, you will see they failed miserably and repeatedly, and they worship all these things around them instead of God. What did God do? He said a whole bunch of prophets, probably those bunch of books that you've never read. <laughs> the major prophets, the really, really big books, that's why they're called major. Then you get the minor prophets, the really, really small books, that's why they're called minor. All these prophets came, right, to tell people about what was going on. So listen, if you don't hear what God is saying, you don't change your ways, you don't turn things around, God's going to bring destruction, Fast forward to the first century. Our brother John is in the island of Patmos. God calls him up and gives him a revelation of what is coming. He says, write this down. Write this down because it's coming and God's preserved it for over 2,000 years, and it's been preached for over 2,000 years, not to cause fear, but to create faith. All humanity, friends, needs their eyes open to the truth of what's to come, what's around the corner, what is next. Not to scare them. Friends, we can't scare people into the kingdom We can't argue people into the kingdom. We can't back them in the corner. It doesn't work that way. Backing people in the corner is done what is done what by bullies do, and God is not a bully. God is love. Listen, I'm not sure why the days where preachers felt the need to start pounding their fists in a pulpit and start screaming at the people, you are going to hell! Spit flying out of their mouths. (laughs) There. Sorry, brother. I'm not sure why that was started, because (laughs) it wasn't creating faith. All it was doing was causing fear and fear is reactionary it only responds to something at that moment it's a reaction to what they're facing it's solely a soul emotional response and friends let me just say this we can't live a life and live in faith based on our emotions. In fact, a few weeks from now, we're going to do a series called Emoji, talking about dealing with our emotions, controlling our emotions before our emotions control us. But if you have ever faced this fire 
and brimstone and the pounding of the fists. Hell in your face. I'm sorry. That's not the purpose of prophecy. God didn't reveal the truth to create uncontrollable fear. He revealed the truth to build unbreakable faith. He desires for you to know and to see the big picture of everything to come and to know fully, completely, that Jesus is the only way to be at the end with him. He loves you too much for you to go through what's coming. But you have to choose to accept him. You have to believe in his son and surrender your life to him. Give him your everything because God gave his everything for you. I mean, think about this. He is God, yes? Yes, he is God. He can, he's above all things. He could have created everything Right in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth, and everything was perfect. And when mankind turned their back on him, he could have said, sucks to be you. Too bad. You messed it up. Good luck what's coming. But that's not who God is. not what he wants he loves his creation he loves you and he took all these words of the truth of who he is and that you can know his love and know him and put it in this book church say it with me so you can read about it so you can know him and know his love for you not for you to walk around in life shaking your boots like, I don't know, I better go change my pants. I don't know what's happening. Ah. No, he wants you to know how much he loves you and what he's done for you so you could be with him. That's the purpose of prophecy. That's the reason you have it. We have scripture, God revealing it all to us. So we're without excuse. It was given us, we'd realize that our life in Jesus now makes a difference. What we're called to do, how we're called to live, that's not about ourselves, but it's living for him. And as if you have here and you said yes to Jesus, you believe in him, you surrender your life, then you have a purpose, and that purpose is to share that message of hope with all those around you. Because the reality is, what's to come for those who don't accept him? is incredibly horrible. Point number two this morning, write this down. The reward and the punishment is far greater than you can imagine. The reward of knowing Jesus and the punishment for not knowing Jesus is far greater than you can imagine. The return of the king, right? It reminds us at what stake. And John, and John right now, he turns the page and lets us know what's coming. Look at verse 11. I saw heaven stand, standing, heaven standing open, and, a, and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like 
blazing fire, and on his head were many crowns. His name was written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped with blood. His name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. Stop there again. This is Jesus coming back. And what I love, I love about this, the armies of heaven that are coming with him are us. His church, those who have believed and have given their lives to Jesus Christ. We come with King Jesus for war. And make no mistake, friends, there are only two sides to this battle. Those who stood and stand with Jesus and those who stand and reject him. Coming out of his mouth, verse 15, was a sharp sword which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the wine presses of the fury, the wrath of God Almighty, on his robe and on his thigh. His name is written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's just stop there. Wait, 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 wait. Did it just say that Jesus had a tattoo? What? Come on. Too many times we picture Jesus as a bearded wimp, soft faced Western societal cuddle bug. But I don't know about you, when I read these verses, that image is shattered. Jesus is king. Jesus is God. Eyes blazing with fire, robe dipped in blood. What? Verse 17. I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried out in a loud voice, all the birds flying in midair, come together, come gather together for the great supper of God. Pause here. This is not to be confused with the wedding supper of the Lamb. This is something totally different. So that you may eat the flesh. You may eat the flesh of the kings, the generals, and the mighty, of the horses and the riders, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, great and small. And then I saw the beast of the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together, wage war against the rider of the horse and his army. Holy cow, we can picture this. There's going to be a great battle. All of us, all those who worship Satan and rejected God, and, and they're going to stand against God and all of his heavenly armies. We can see, start to see the story unfold. The battle's going to take place, and the birds in the air are called together to clean up Jesus' victory. Verse 20 says, the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had been formed the signs in its behalf and these signs had deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur and the rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. That's gruesome. Now, this is an image that we don't want to bring to focus in our minds. 
And right here is where people start to jump ship when it comes to following God. They stop believing in the God of Scripture, and they start believing in the God of their own image that they made up in their mind. And they'll say, that's not my God. My God would never do that. And this is where it makes me chuckle. So many times I have conversations with people like, well, listen, I really don't believe in like the God of the Old Testament. He was just a one grumpy dude. I really love the God of the New Testament. He was all love and snuggly and cuddly, right? People have said that to me multiple times. Let me just tell you, friends, it's the same God. Same today was yesterday, same tomorrow as he is today. He's the same God through entire scripture. He doesn't change. It's not a new one. doesn't like, poof, here's a new version. It's the same God. And the people who come to the New Testament say, God's all love. They've never read the book of Revelation. The same victory that God proclaimed that he's going to have in the Old Testament is coming down at the end of the New Testament. Friends, we win at the end. Better said, God wins at the end. If you look back, it says the sword, the sword coming out of his mouth, of the rider. He's talking about the word of God. God defeats the armies of the earth. He speaks, and it's all over. In fact, if I could just say one thing, that I'm reading all this, and one thing that kind of, this battle that rubs me like sandpaper, is that we don't do battle. God does. He brings us with us where I just, I start, my sci-fi mind goes crazy, and I'm thinking about all these things. I'm on a horse with God, and I'm ready for battle. I've got all my weapons, and I'm geared up. My helmet is really, really cool. Really cool. And, and I'm sitting there with God, and we're all there, and all my heavenly hosts, my brothers and sisters of Christ are ready. Come on, let's do this, God, let's do this. And he speaks, and it's over. I'm like, Jesus, I've been training. I'm ready for some like spiritual kung fu. Wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence. Let's do this. Now, anybody under 40 might not get that reference. God finishes it all. He brings the entire heavenly host of armies with him. And he says, I got this. He spoke. And it's over. Back in the beginning of all things, God spoke. And creation came to existence. The biggest battle of all time, God speaks, and it's over. He wins. Come on. See, I get bummed that I'm not going to fight 
But then I remember, this is my God, and the battle always belongs to him. I think about when David went out, stood before Goliath. Everybody was afraid, and David went out, and he simply said, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And maybe, maybe that's a truth for some of you to grab this morning. Maybe it's something you needed to hear this morning. That the same God who finishes the battle at the end of all things is the same God who fights your battles today. You've been walking through and fighting on your own strength. You've been trying to pull your own spiritual kung fu. And God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, why don't you just give it to me? I'm right here. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. And I'll win. Friends, this morning we are faced with a whole pile of reality. We can either be at the wedding supper of the Lamb or we can be the great supper of God. We can be served in great celebration or we can be the ones who are served to the birds in defeat. That is the reality. That is the truth. Look, if we go back to this timeline again, right? Right, let's go back to this timeline. If we can believe that God created the heavens and the earth, we can believe that sin entered the world, he was going to send the Messiah, we believe the Messiah came, his name was Jesus, and he died on the cross for sin, and he conquered death, and we believe that, he said the right hand of the Father, and he said the Holy Spirit, and we can believe all this. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to the Lord. If we can believe all this with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we have to believe in all this. Even if it's hard. Even if it's difficult to grasp. Once this great battle is over, we move to Jesus' millennial reign, his thousand-year rule. There'll be perfect peace on earth. Satan is going to be locked up. Locked up. Right now he has free reign. He's locked up. This is going to be a time where the wolf will eat with the lamb, where the cow will feed with the bear, and the lion will eat straw like an ox crazy peace that has not been seen since the beginning. And at that same time, all those who have overcome this world through Jesus Christ will return with him and will rule and live in this time of peace. See, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know how you look at everything I've just shared with you through the truth of God's word this morning. But in my prayer is your eyes have been open to what's to come. 
truthfully, what we just went through is just a tip of the beginning of the forever, ever, amen. Because next week we're going to come back. We're going to call everyone together to talk about eternity. Bring before God what judgment looks like. And it sets the stage forever and ever, amen. If you said yes to Jesus, you believe he's the son of God, died for your sins, conquered the grave, your eternity is secured. But if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Everything I shared this morning was not to cause you to shake in your boots. I think God is a gross God. But for know that God is a loving God. They laid out a plan for you to come to him. What are you waiting for? And the rest of us, you know, we're in this room. We said, yes, I've, I've given my life to Jesus. I follow Jesus. I know I'm going to be at the end when all the peace is anything, the new heaven, a new earth. I'm going to be there. What does this mean for us? Well, can we take the words of Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus, who wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? Look what he writes. This is a follower of Jesus. Though I am free, I belong to no one. I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Verse 22, it goes on and says that I have become all things to all people. So by all possible means, I may save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. So if you're in this room and you have a relationship with Jesus... We don't sit on our back ends like we are now for the rest of our lives. We have a job. We know what's to come. We know the only way to get there is through Jesus. We see the gruesome and the brutality and all that stuff that's going to be unfolding. We become all things to all people to share the message of hope. Not to create fear, but to build unshakable, unbreakable faith in the one. That's our job, church. That we may share in its blessings. The gospel message, we get to share in its blessings. As God gives us an opportunity to share the hope and share when someone accepts him. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for your love. God, thank you for keeping it real with us. Showing us long before what's to come so we know exactly how to come to you because you love us 
I think of right now those who are in this room or those who are watching online, who are listening, who don't have that personal relationship with you. I ask the question again, what are you waiting for? It has been revealed. What will you choose? And for those of us in the room this morning, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, do that this morning. Don't walk out those doors having heard the truth of what's to come and start living on your own, on your own accord, on your own strength. Because it doesn't work. Come talk to our prayer team. Say, no, I don't know all the things about this. Get some information. Find out more about Jesus. You don't have to have the scripture memorized. The whole Bible, you just need to know who Jesus is. Let your faith have a starting point this morning. Come talk to our prayer team. give your life to Christ and maybe you're in this room this morning and you've been fighting the battles in your life on your own you've been going at it with your own strength your own might, your own wisdom and you're feeling like you're failing you're feeling like you're getting nowheres and you're struggling you're, you're frustrated, come forth talk to our prayer team The battle belongs to the Lord, not to you. Let's give it to the one who can fix what's in front of you or can carry you through it. Don't walk out those doors carrying a burden you were never meant to carry or fighting a battle that you were never meant to fight on your own. Come forward and talk to our prayer team. Father, we just thank you again for this morning. It is such a joy to be here, worshiping you, learning from your word. And I pray today is just setting the stage for a God awesome week in the comfort of everyone in this room. May they seek you, and may they pursue you, may they live for you. May those around them see you in their lives. Lives of the testimony of the truth that Jesus changes everything. It's in his mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.